You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. Sin Media acknowledges and pays respect to the people of the Woiwurrung and Bunwurrung language groups of the Eastern Kulin Nations, on whose unceded lands the Sin Studio stands. Sin extends this respect to the traditional custodians and people of the lands and waters our content reaches. It always was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. Kids should go to school. That's what we're committed to. I haven't flipped plot. I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no, and I've stuck to it. I didn't need to do this. I've already done a lot of war for the election. The English fought a civil war over this matter, over this matter. Don't deal with the nuance of the Canberra bubble. I don't know what to do with it. We have so much money. What we want is more learning in schools and less activism in schools. Issues that perhaps may be controversial today, but 30 years from now, your children, your grandchildren are going to be thankful that you stood up for what it was right. Represent. 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 You're listening to Represent. You'll listen to Represent, and in a very special kind of edition of Represent leading up to the state election, we, in fact, have a very important debate between two fine politicians, one joining us by Zoom of the name of Katie Hall, who is the state member for Footscray, and additionally, the Parliamentary Secretary for Youth, Multicultural Affairs, and Creative Industries. And we also have a friend of the show, I'd like to say, Dr. Matthew Bark, who is the Victorian Shadow Minister for Transport, Infrastructure, Child Protection, and Youth Justice and Youth Affairs. Thank you for having us today. Great to join you guys. And Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Katie. Um, obviously, we've gone to, over the last few weeks, we've basically seen what young people have thought would affect them most in this upcoming election, and more or less, SIN organized a survey that conducted from a range of about 15 to 29-year-olds, seeing what would impact people the most over these few weeks and what they'd like to see the most in the future. So bearing that in mind, all our questions today and topics are based around the findings that we've had in those surveys. So to start off, um, the debate will be consisted over about four or five topics, um, there will be one-minute responses from each person and then chance for a rebuttal after that. So, without any further ado, if everyone here is ready to go, Mimi, would you like to start us off? All right. Cost of living is a huge election decider. Victorians are sourcing food relief from charities. Some are facing homelessness. The Greens has just pledged $20 million toward free contraception for Victorians as a response to the rising cost of essential health items. Can you both please explain some of the more tangible initiatives that your parties are doing to battle the rising cost of living for Victorians? Matt, you have a minute to start. Thanks, Mimi. Well, we've got a range of things on the table, and I certainly agree with you. Uh, the cost of living is a huge concern to all Victorians, and it oftentimes hits young Victorians the, the hardest. So something, for example, that I've done in one of my portfolios is to make a pledge that if the Liberals and Nationals are successful in just eight days' time, well, we'll put in place a policy of, of $2 flat public transport fares all day, every day, and just $1 for concessions. Now, you know, I got the train here today. I take public transport every day. 
um, disproportionately young Victorians use public transport. Um, now that'll that'll obviously be a huge boon to those who live in areas where there's really good public transport. But we've also got policies to expand public transport. So that's just one way that we're seeking to deal with Victoria's really significant cost of living crisis. Right, Katie. Thank you. I'd like to start by acknowledging I'm on Warundri Country here in Footscray. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, look, I think the Andrews Labor government has a really good track record uh, when it comes to supporting young people with cost of living expenses. The main one that comes to mind to me is free TAFE, which has been huge. We, um, the Liberal Party, obviously closed TAFE campuses around Victoria and we have reopened them with hundreds of courses that are free. Um, we've also got um, B3Ls L's and P's for uh, tens of thousands of young people who are learning to drive and getting their licences. Um, we have short-term rego, which, um, you know, means that you can uh, pay registration uh, in instalments, um, which has been fantastic. And of course, the $250 power saving bonus, um, which recognizes that energy prices have been, um, you know, pretty tough for young people. Um, but yeah, the Liberal Party closed 22 TAFE campuses and uh, we're reopening them and um, free TAFE's my big one for cost of living. That's great to hear. We can open up for a rebuttal, Matt. Look, we're going to carry on with a range of policies that, um, quite frankly, have been good policies of this current government, that, despite what Katie may say, the previous Liberal government that was only in government for four years a long time ago started the free TAFE program. So that's a really good program. I used to be the Shadow Minister for Higher Education. I, I fully support it. So that, that's a good policy. We'll carry on with that policy, but also do more as I've outlined. All right. Katie, do you have anything else to add? Look, just that the Labor's Free Tape Initiative has saved students almost $300 million in fees um, since we started it um, and um, has provided training for a new career for more than 120,000 Victorians. It's pretty huge. All right. We'll move on to our next question. Australia is facing a mental health crisis and the federal government has decided not to extend the coalition measure, which doubled the number of Medicare-subsidised mental health services from 10 to 20. Many Australians, particularly young people, will no longer be able to access these crucial health services. I can see, Katie, that the Victorian Labor Party has pledged an increase in funding to mental health support services and, Matthew, that the Victorian Liberal Party pledges to boost the mental health workforce. Can you both speak to your different approaches and why you think yours is more effective in supporting young Australians during this crisis. Katie, you can go first. Look, as, as part of our um, youth strategy, which we released in August, it's a fantastic uh, policy document with 74 uh, directions. I encourage you all to have a look at it. Um, there's a huge amount of um, work that has gone into um, what we're going to do in terms of mental health resources for young people. Um, we have, uh, of course, in primary and secondary schools, we have um, mental health workers going into into all of our government schools. I think it's a fantastic initiative, but we have committed to uh, implementing every single one of the Royal Commission um, findings for mental health, um, which I, I don't think the Liberal Party has done, but... Um, we're supporting with youth mental health um, hubs. Uh, the strategy includes that. Um, and we know that um, 
healthy relationships, supporting young people from LGBTI communities, um, making sure that um, our diverse communities are supported are all really important parts of uh, Labor's approach. Thank you, Katie. Matthew? Thanks, Mimi. Well, one of the things we've said we'll do is unlock um, thousands of more mental health workers to get into our schools because we know at the moment that it's just so hard for young people to actually get in front of a mental health professional. Um, another thing, of course, that we've pledged to do at this election is to scrap the, the Labor government's so-called suburban rail loop that's going to cost $200 billion, which for context is about $80,000 for every single Victorian household, and instead redirect every cent that we can into healthcare and much of that into mental health care. So, for example, we've pledged to build hospitals right around the state, especially in parts of the state that have been neglected for so long, like our western suburbs and outer western suburbs, um, in order to invest in, in health services, including psychiatric services. So those are some of the things that we're focusing on, on mental health. Our, our lockdowns, the longest lockdowns in the world, the closure of schools and university campuses – um, hit young people the hardest. So it's not surprising that now we're seeing um, so many ongoing issues in terms of mental health. So that must be a, a huge focus. And so in making the switch from this rail line that will be delivered in 15 years' time instead to health, we're showing that our priority is to dealing with the health issues that Victorians are facing, but principally mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Katie, would you like to respond? I would. I think it's really important that we build infrastructure, not that we need, you know, right now, although we're doing that, but that also we recognise that Melbourne is a growing city, it's an international city, that places like Monash University need access by train. And that's what the Suburban Rail Loop does. It also provides access for all of Melbourne to Melbourne's airport. So it's planning infrastructure for the future. Uh, It's not being short-sighted about the kind of um, rail transport that we're going to need. I mean, the Liberal Party said that the Metro Tunnel would never be built and it's uh, now tracking uh, ahead of time. Um, it's going to open in 2025. And that's the kind of infrastructure that we need as a growing city. We don't want to be reliant on cars. We want to be able to invest in our public transport. But that doesn't mean that you can't invest in health as well. And just out my window here, we've got the new Footscray Hospital being built. We're building one in Melton. There's a heap of um, heap of work going into building our health infrastructure as well. We can do both. We have to do both as a growing international city like Melbourne. So Labor's not building a hospital in Melton. Labor promised to build a hospital in Melton eight years ago and it's never happened. But nonetheless, you simply can't do both. If doing both means building the suburban rail loop at $200 billion, that's what the Independent Apolitical Parliamentary Budget Office says, when in Victoria we've already got more debt than New South Wales, Queensland and Tasmania combined. There's not a money tree at the bottom of the garden and responsible political parties have to make hard decisions. So we've made that hard decision. No, we're not going to build a rail line that none of the experts say stacks up. Instead, we're going to focus on health and young people's mental health, and we're absolutely unapologetic about making that clear choice. All right. I think we'll move on to the next question. George? Yeah, so touching on to the cost of living before and how it's kind of a broad subject that touches on to many different categories within the sphere of Australian and Victorian politics, it was definitely a 
big issue in the federal election, but affordable housing. It's such an integral issue, especially facing young people right now. We know that property prices and rents have jumped since the last Victorian election in 2018. And from a broad spectrum, what will your party look to advance in order to mitigate the rising prices of cost of living? Matt, I'll let you go first. Housing is so important for so many young Victorians. I heard the Premier a few months ago say that he didn't think the Australian dream was important to young people. Well, I've only been a politician for two years. Before that, I was a school teacher, as as you know. And I know from all of my former students that young people would love to be able to, to own their own home, but so many are disheartened at the moment just because of rising prices. Um, my wife and I bought our first apartment about 15 years ago. I was a school teacher. She was an allied health worker. So we we're on decent incomes, but not huge incomes. We saved really hard, bought a little apartment, and that got us onto the property ladder. What we're going to do if we win this election in eight days' time is to slash stamp duty for just first home owners next year to, to nothing. So that's going to save first home owners first-time buyers, rather, $55,000. We're also going to open up more land because all the experts say one of the key reasons why our prices are so high is because of lack of supply. So we're going to open up 150,000 new lots, again, to drive down the price of buying your first home to make it easier for young Victorians. No worries. And Katie, go ahead. They won't be able to catch the train anywhere, though, because you're scrapping the suburban rail loop. So, um, you know, we need the infrastructure out in these growing suburbs. You can't just keep going and going and not have the long-term infrastructure there to support support people to get around. Um, Look, in terms of housing, I'm a passionate advocate for more public and social and affordable housing. I was very proud of the Andrews government's commitment, the largest in Australian history of $5.3 billion, uh, to build 12,000 new social and public um, housing dwellings. And um, as part of that, the Minister for Housing announced that $50 million from the big housing build would be set aside for new housing projects for young people. It's also really important that we make renting fair for young people, um, it, it, it's uh, there's a lot of renters in my electorate. I represent one of the youngest electorates in uh, Victoria, and I know that our rental reforms have really helped people. So um, we've enforced a cap of one um, limiting rate um, rent rises per year. And if you want to get a pet or hang things on the wall, we've made those things possible um, as part of a really huge um, reform agenda for renters. So, um, yes, we want to support people to get into the housing market, uh, but we also need to acknowledge that we have um, a lot of public and social housing to build and we're getting on and doing that. Well, I I agree entirely with Katie's point that you need public transport to be able to get to where you want to live. Um, Labor promised eight years ago to bring Melton, for example, in the Outer West into the metropolitan system, but but it's never done that. So we're going to put in place that Western Rail Plan. There are folks who live in growth corridors, for example, in the southeast who don't have any trains. So um, I've pledged that if we win, we'll extend the line all the way to Clyde, extend the line down uh, the morning to Peninsula, all the way to Baxter. But the, the suburban rail loop isn't going to help first homeowners. I mean, I live in the path of the 
suburban rail loop in Surrey Hills, where the median house price is over $2 million. There aren't too many first homeowners who are trying to buy into those suburbs. They're trying to buy into our outer suburbs that under Labor, and Labor's been in for 19 of the last 23 years in Victoria, there's almost no public transport service. So I agree with entirely with Katie. We need to expand our public transport services, including new bus routes. That's why I'm going to put in place 45 new bus routes right across our state to improve public transport. I agree with Katie. That's critical. And very briefly, Katie, would you like to have any last comments? I just think people should be able to, you know, that comment about young people not being able to buy into Surrey Hills. Well, we should be putting social housing and affordable housing into areas like Surrey Hills as well. I I was appalled when the member for Brighton campaigned against um, social housing units in his community. I think wherever you live in Melbourne, there should be affordable housing um, because certainly the areas that have the most infrastructure should be places that are accessible for people on all incomes. All right. And so for our last question, we know that ways to combat climate change or the effects of climate change are arguably one of the most significant issues in this election, with huge proportions of voters really, really concerned about this. Can you both explain your policies for investing in renewable energy sources and for decreasing Victorian reliance on coal? Katie, you can start us off. Thank you. Well, I was really excited to be uh, to join the Premier recently for an announcement that we are going to only Labor will bring back government-owned energy and set up a energy company um, where the government owns majority share. Um, you're all too young to remember the SEC, the um, State Electricity Commission, but um, we're going to bring it back with 100% renewables. And so that's a very exciting um, exciting development. And we are exiting coal, and part of our work in setting up government-owned energy will mean that we can decarbonise faster than any jurisdiction in the world. And um, Labor has already been smashing its um, renewable energy targets. Uh, so uh, we've surpassed our first target for 25% renewable energy by 2020. Uh, and we've stepped up our targets to get to 95% renewable electricity by 2035 and reach net zero by 2045. So we have very ambitious targets here, nation-leading, world-leading in Victoria, and I'm very proud uh, to be part of government that's um, not just talking about it but delivering on it. All right. And Matt? Yeah, thank you. So we've made a pledge, um, a commitment to a net zero by 2050 and also a 50% reduction by 2030. Now, we're going to do that through a range of means. One is to fix our grid um, there, are, there are big issues with our grid to make sure that we have the capacity to take as much from renewables as we'd like to. In addition to that, I think we could do far more with um, hydrogen innovation, and so we've made a, a $1 billion pledge there. I'm really worried, though, about um, the government's commitment to uh, run electricity itself. Under the government's own figures, that's going to lead to a 40% increase in power bills. Now, now we started off with cost of living. So we know that cost of living is a, is a great concern for young people. You know it when you go to the supermarket, when you when you fill up your car, certainly when you see your bills. The last thing we need is even higher power bills. I think that we can uh, meet our commitments when it comes to decarbonisation, and that's really important, without going down the route that the Labor government is seeking to go down, which 
by its own admission, will only increase our power bills. Katie, That's would you true. like to hear about that? We haven't said that at all. <laughs> Sorry. Um, look, I, I just want to jump in there. The Labor Party um, has been clear that one of the main purposes of this and one of the great benefits of bringing back government-owned energy is that we can help keep prices down. And we know that uh, renewable energy and electricity is the cheapest form and that's why we want to invest in it and get rid of coal and um, and invest in a, in a greener climate. Um, this is about putting um, people before profit and the Liberal government sold off our energy um energy providers and the private sector has made $23 billion out of our natural resources and from selling our energy and it's time that changed. All right, we can probably leave it there for that question. All right, so um, we're going to conclude our debate today with some closing remarks. Um, I'll give each minister a minute each uh, to say something that they might want, they just want to finish today off with. Um, so, Matt, you can go first. Thanks, guys. And look, it's been great to be with you. Great to join you too, Katie. There are so many issues at this state election that obviously are um, vital for, for young people. My vision is that every single young person in our state should have the opportunities that they need to thrive. And yet at the moment in particular, so many vulnerable young people don't. Um, under this Labor government, and Labor's been in power for 19 of the last 23 years, we're seeing um, record numbers of young Indigenous people, for example, entering our care system, um, record numbers of vulnerable young people dying in our care system. We're seeing the huge use of arbitrary solitary confinement in our youth justice systems. And so in addition to the very significant issues that we've already spoken about, I'd, I'd urge your many listeners j- just to think about how things are at the moment for the most vulnerable young people in our community um, and whether or not some of the things that are happening in our community under this Labor government, which has been in power for 19 of the last 23 years, are all right or whether they want a fresh start under a different government. And if they do, well, the only way to ensure that that happens is to vote for a local Liberal or National Party candidate on Saturday week. Okay. Katie? Thank you and thanks for having me and thanks, Matt, for participating Look, I just wanted to say I'm very, very proud um, of the investments that Labor is making to support young people across Victoria. I'm very proud of our youth strategy. We worked with young people to develop the strategy. It's, it's, it's been written by young people and it holds government accountable to delivering on a whole range of policy areas that um, were identified by the young people consulted um, throughout that process. So um, whether it's investing in organisations like SIN um, and creating more jobs in creative industries, providing young people uh, decision-making, um, a, a seat at the table um, with direct access to ministers and, and influencing policy, um, whether it's setting up youth hubs across Victoria, and providing um, life toolkit uh, sessions for you know, financial planning, how to 
how to rent a home, um, you know, all, all of those sorts of things you need when you're starting out in life. Um, the Andrews Labor Government is there to uh, support our young people through the implementation of our youth strategy, um, which is a five-year strategy. It's really comprehensive and um and I'm very proud to have um, worked with lots of young people on it. Right. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Represents Live Debate on SIN. Today we have had Katie Hall, State Labor Member for Footscray, and additionally the Parliamentary Secretary for Youth, Multicultural Affairs and Creative Industries. We've also had Matthew Buck, Victorian Shadow Minister for Transport Infrastructure, Child Protection and Youth Justice and Youth Affairs. If you've missed today's debate, you can find our podcast on Omni or Spotify at Represent. And remember to stay Stay political. political. You've been listening to a Sin Media Podcast, where young people run the show.